absolutely shameful stewards of the environment. And we, 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 do we want to eliminate plastic? We want to eliminate the right plastic, single-use plastic. I mean, you can see people who are in the straw industry must be pulling their hair out because straws now look like they're on their way out, which is great. That's how it's got to be. How we develop and produce energy in this country and in the world and how we use land, how we approach deforestation. It's not going to be eliminated, but we've got to slow it down because if we don't, there will be no turning back from that point. In case you don't recognize the voice, that was Academy Award-nominated actor and activist Alec Baldwin. He joined us here at UN headquarters in New York earlier this year to co-present a new independent report on the relationship between food, good health, and making the planet healthier, officially known as the Eat Lancet Commission Report. It's funded by biomedical research charity, the Wellcome Trust, and the UK-based Lancet Medical Journal. You might know Alec Baldwin from his movie roles in The Hunt for Red October or The Cooler, but right now, here in the U.S., he's best known for impersonating President Donald Trump on the satirical Saturday Night Live television show, which scored him an Emmy Award in 2017. He's not been afraid to combine a busy acting career with political and environmental activism, having been a strong supporter of the Democratic Party, animal rights group PETA, and championed a range of environmental issues. I'm Liz Scafidi, and for this edition of our Lid Is On podcast, I sat down with Alec, who was joined on the platform here at the UN and in our studio by his health expert wife and yoga teacher, Hilaria Baldwin. She understands how scary it can be for people to make changes in their own lives, like phasing out the use of plastic. It's not about not using plastic, period. It's about using less plastic. And that's a scary place for people to find, because as scary as it is for people to do a handstand and be able to find that balance, it's scary of sort of being in the middle and saying, okay, is this too much? And then I'm going to fall that way. We covered a lot of ground in our conversation, as you're about to hear, but focused on sustainable food production, meat consumption, and the impacts they have on climate change, a subject dear to the couple's heart with four young children in the house. What's your title, honey? My title? I'm Alec Baldwin, and I'm the world's greatest mediocre Trump impersonator. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm an actor, and I'm an activist. Yes. I'm Ilaria Baldwin. I'm a health and wellness expert, and um, I am married to the world's mediocre (laughs) Trump impersonator. And we have? And we have four children with a lot of babies. Little children. Five and under. Five, three, two, and eight months. Wow, really? So what brings you both to the UN today? You know, I mean, at, at home, we eat very healthfully. We're very conscientious about what we put in our bodies and what our children are putting in their bodies. We very much believe that um, our, you know, we are what we eat, and it's our job as parents to feed our children well. Uh, we believe that um, leading by example and creating really good habits of while they're young is very important, not just for their bodies, but you know, as we spoke about today, the environment and their future. Um, and it's our job to make the world a better place for, for our kids. Uh, two things <clears throat> come to mind for me. One is that I'm fairly obsessed with this idea of um, uh, the hidden costs and the hidden impact of the production of many things we depend on in 
our society, not just here in the U.S., but globally. It can be energy, it can be, uh, uh, you know, oil production. And, uh, you know, the one thing that's becoming more and more at the forefront of this sustainability uh, question and this environmental question, it's linked to global warming, is food production. What impact does food production have on our lives environmentally? What is the hidden cost that we don't see? <clears throat> Most people interact with food, like a, a whether, especially if it's meat, uh, it's, it's, it's something that comes frozen in a grocery store. You defrost it, cook it, and eat it. And their understanding of all the processes behind that, what delivers that food to your plate, uh, they're very, very ignorant of. And, and, and more and more and more, the impact on forests uh, uh, through food production is, is a big issue. Uh, the second one, I think, is this idea that we are going to give our children a world. This is a cliche that we always hear. But more and more, we're going to give them a world in which the margins are going to be gone completely or they'll be very, very tight. I'll be gone. And my children will live in a world where, the, where, they, where they won't have any wiggle room to mess around with what happens with air, water protection, uh, <clears throat> and this issue of sustainability of food production. So uh, we have little kids, and uh, we eat pretty smart. I think we eat a lot of food that we are, are pretty comfortable with. And, uh, and we keep in mind, I don't want to go on too long, but we keep in mind the idea that we can only educate people. You can't outlaw beef consumption. You can't outlaw poultry and pork consumption. You can only educate people and say this is what's going on and how it's going to affect all of us. I mean, we will all uh, feel the impact of this uh, situation, whether you eat meat or not. Aside from being an award-winning actor, you're also an outspoken activist. How did you become so passionate about the environment? Well, years ago, uh, I worked with different organizations, you know, whether it was uh, 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 Hudson River Keeper, which was later on, which still exists, but then Bobby Kennedy Jr. created an umbrella organization called Waterkeeper Alliance, where he brought many of these global keeper organizations from Southeast Asia, all over Canada, all over the world, under one <clears throat> tent, uh, Waterkeeper Alliance. And um, you hear people... Uh, over the last 10 or 15 years, talk about a dire future. I'm only speaking about water now, in which water will be traded like a commodity, in which, in which fresh, clean water will become so difficult to access. And, and, and interestingly enough, the work that will need to be done to extract that clean water, to find it, and to, like oil. That problem is something that uh, I've always been concerned about, because I grew up in New York where you turned on, I still drink New York City tap water. You turn on the faucet and the water is delicious. It's great. I, 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 drink, I drink tap water almost every day. And, uh, but other places in the world and, and, and in the United States, uh, interestingly enough, are not as lucky. I'm on my way to go to Flint, Michigan for a day to shoot some footage uh, for a documentary that my company is helping to produce. But there are more places in the United States that have compromised public drinking water than we want to admit. Global food production drives environmental degradation, climate instability, and the transgression of planetary boundaries. Does this have anything to do with you being a vegan? I'm not a vegan. I eat fish. And I will tell you that in my vegetarian path, you know, where in 1992 I gave up beef and, uh, and uh, poultry and pork, and I was pescatarian. I ate fish. There was a time when out of a... Uh, um, what I thought was a real health concern went back to eating poultry. I ate chicken and, and turkey. 
and was never happy. I mean, every time I sat down with a plate of that food, I felt terrible. But I thought, I just can't keep eating this other stuff that I was eating. And, uh, you know, since I've known her, she does what all good teachers do, which she just shines the light, as I said, and teaches me that this is what your options are. And I went back, uh, uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth, yes, no about poultry. And now I'm back to no, and I, I, I honestly think I'm no to stay because uh, uh, I don't want to eat any animal products. I mean, I do eat fish, but I mean, I don't want to eat any animal products that are livestock that way. That are, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos, and they are some of the most unsettling things I've ever seen. But one of the things that's a concern of ours, or is it something that we're mindful of, is that to say to people, if you're going to eat a better diet, less meat or no meat, uh, that everything's going to start costing you more money to go into Whole Foods, let's say, and buy everything you need to have a sustainable, healthy diet that doesn't include uh, animal products uh, is going to be very, very expensive. That's not true. I don't believe that that's true. I believe that there's vegetables you can roast and grill and grains and quinoa and nuts and fruits and all kinds of things you can have and, and, and mock meats. Alex Pacheco, who was one of the founders of PETA, said to me, I, I love to eat meat. But, it, but, it, but and, and it wasn't the dietary, it was the ethical. I thought about the way these things, if, 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 a, if a sheep fell off a mountain, is that an ethical kill? If an animal is hit by a car, is that an ethical kill? But what he did was he said, I, I'm going to take that out of my life. And he, was the, he loved, you know, tofu hot dogs and uh, uh, phony bologna or and all these other names they had for it. Uh, um, <clears throat> Satan. Um, Tempeh. Tempeh. And the things that we eat. We eat a lot of tempeh and tofu. You know, but I, I think a lot of it is just reframing the way that people think about food. You know, so much of it is tradition. How did my grandparents eat? How did mm. my parents eat? This is how I'm supposed to eat. And we've been doing it for the longest time. And I think, you know, everybody knows our bodies are mostly made out of water. So obviously we need to drink good water. You know, our, think about cell production and the food that we're eating and how quickly our skin cells are growing. We want that to be of good quality. You know, when I met him, I didn't have a lot of money and I was eating this way. And I just learned to do it in, in a way that was maybe different from what I had seen before, but was delicious and, and I was able to afford it. How does a plant-based diet help avert climate change? Well, the, the, the processes by which animal production uh, uh, is, is, is practiced uh, around the world, and particularly you know, like in South America, where we use that as an example because that's the most famous and the clear-cutting that's going on and the deforestation that's going on there for agriculture, and a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is for, uh, is for animal production, for beef production. And, uh, and other animal production. That's a hidden cost. Every time you have a steak, every time you have a hamburger, that's a hidden cost. Can you cut it down? Can you cut your meat consumption in half? Hilaria, this is a question just for you. What role does the environment play for you as a yogini, trying to balance mind and body? Oh, that's a big question. Big question. There's a lot of different ways that you can answer that question. And I think to relate it to the general public that may not do yoga, Balance is a very hard thing to find. We're very good at extremes. We're good at um, eating too much meat. And then they'll go up and say, okay, I'm going to do a cleanse. 
and for 30 days, everybody, like everybody I know, for January, nobody was drinking, nobody was eating anything bad, and, that, and then February came, and everybody had a big party, and they drank <laughs> a lot, God, that's and over. they had a big hamburger, <laughs> and it was like, okay, we did that. Here's to the never, next 11, uh, 11 uh, months of the year, and then they will do it again. As a yogini, you know, we practice these poses, we do dancer's pose, we do all these poses, we do handstands, things are difficult to balance in to be able to feel it because everything ultimately is a feeling. And when I eat and I approach my plate, I know when I'm going to be full because I can feel that balance because I've really become so in touch with the sensations in my body. Now, in terms of how that goes to, you know, the, the, bigger, the bigger issue of the planet, thinking about not doing, for, for everybody, the deforestation or how much do I actually need? Pulling back and finding balance. And again, as my husband said before, it's not about not using plastic, period. It's about using less plastic. And that's a scary place for people to find because as scary as it is for people to do a handstand and be able to find that balance, it's scary of sort of being in the middle and saying, okay, is this too much? And then I'm going to fall that way. Is that too much? So I don't know if that's a little too out there, that, that, that answer, but... That's perfect. But you asked. That's so. very, very well go. put. There Thank you. you. <laughs> now, by the way, while, while we have the opportunity... I want to give you a chance. Did you want to ask me the Yogini question as well? <laughs> no, Could no. you just maybe do a little <clears throat> pose no, no, for no, us? No, no. He's going to do his handstand pose. I just wanted to pose. make that available to you. Let's go back. <laughs> key messages. Do you have any key messages that you would like to share? Uh, I'll give you one because, you know, uh, this is uh, uh, these conferences and these uh, exchanges of ideas and these uh, assemblies of people, whether it's a place that's as prominent and as sophisticated and as... Uh, global in its reach as the United Nations, or it could be uh, a symposium at a little college somewhere. Uh, everybody's saying the same thing, and that is that we can't stick our head in the sand anymore about the implications of what's happening to us in terms of energy consumption. It's all connected. Deforestation, plastics in the ocean. <clears throat> we have been absolutely shameful stewards of the environment. And we, 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 do we want to eliminate plastic? We want to eliminate the right plastic, single-use plastic. I mean, you can see people who are in the straw industry must be pulling their hair out because straws now look like they're on their way out, which is great. That's how it's got to be. Uh, so plastic bags here in New York, all kinds of things you talk about where you want to eliminate uh, certain products and change people's behavior. But that is, I think, the, the, the most important thing is that some kind of change, some incremental change is going to have to come how we, uh, how we uh, develop and produce energy in this country and, and in the world, and how we uh, use land, and how we use, uh, uh, how we approach deforestation. Uh, we, it, 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 it's not gonna be eliminated, but we've got to slow it down, because if we don't, there will be no turning back from that point. The thing I find, whether it's with yoga, or healthy eating, or just being fit in general, that people get turned off by is that it seems very daunting. And so to all the super smart people out there who have these amazing graphs and this, these percentages, trying to make it, I use the word in there, digestible to everybody is extremely important. 
um, because it has to, on, on a very like micro level, everybody, people need to start up doing this at home. Sure, we need policies, we need rules, we need all this different thing, but when people have their doors closed, what are they doing? You know, are the people who are obsessed with the straw thing, are they not using the straws when they're on the street and other people going to see it? And then at home, are they using the straws? You know, you want it to be something that feels possible. Consistency. In the home. Because otherwise, it's not, it, otherwise it's the month of cleanse, and you're going to do it for a while, and then you're going to completely lose it. That was Alec and Hilaria Baldwin. Interviewing people is always informative and usually quite interesting. But this time, it was personal. The dynamic duo opened up about their hectic family life and all the love that goes with it. Judging from their passion for environmental sustainability, and of course for each other, I look forward to seeing what's next in their campaign for worthwhile causes. This is Liz Scafidi. You've been listening to The Lid Is On, a podcast series from UN News. From our studio here in New York, thanks for listening. And goodbye until next time.